Well, good morning and welcome. Wow, this is fantastic. Awesome. Yes. Oh, children, get out of here. That includes you. (laughs) Nice. Well, welcome. Um, Happy Palm Sunday. That's uh, we're we're on the Palm Sunday, and um, we are uh, going to jump into that. But first, I have some announcements. So, the first one is that on Thursday this week at six thirty, we are going to be having a Monday Thursday um, celebration. And if you've never been to a Monday Thursday, uh, it's going to involve a. Um, Addressing of Monday, Thursday, what is it? Why do we celebrate it? Um, Judy Deal is going to be doing that, which is going to be fantastic. She's a riveting uh, speaker. So if you've never heard her teach, come to Thursday. And then there will be some music. And then after that, we're going to have a a foot washing uh, station and a communion. So if you've never had the experience of someone washing your feet, Or having the privilege of washing someone's feet. I know some of you are like, oh God, I would never touch someone's feet. But um, if uh, you've never had that experience, it's an unusual experience. And it's something that touches you in a funny sort of mystical sort of way. So I would encourage all of you to come and be a part of that. Um, So that's Thursday, 6.30. Friday at 6.30, we're going to have a good Friday service. And that is a time of reflection. There's going to be a lot of scripture reading. It's a somber time because we're, we're uh, remembering the cross. And we're going to be reading that whole account. So um, that's at 6.30 on Good Friday. Both of those events will probably last about 45 minutes th- uh, Thursday and Friday. So uh, come to those. And then on Easter Sunday, we're having a sunrise service. At 7.30, so it's not exactly sunrise, but it's going to be at the amphitheater. Uh, so dress warmly and uh, bring some appropriate footwear because when we were down there uh, last Saturday, um, there was a lot of snow there still, and I don't think we're shoveling it all out of there. So bring your snow boots, bring your yak tracks and uh, crampons and whatever else you feel comfortable with. Uh, but we will try to have it... Um, adequately prepared so that you guys don't slip down the stairs. So um, I hope I didn't scare any of you away with that last comment. Um, so that's at 7.30 in the morning. So tell everyone it's, it's an open event. So bring your neighbors, bring the entire county. We're allowed to have 75 people. So <laughs> No, actually, I think we're allowed to have more than that. I think it's, uh, I want to say it's like 200. So... Um, and then on Sunday afternoon, late, late morning, early afternoon, from 11.30 to 12.30, there is the drive-through Easter egging. You don't get egged, but you get to have, there's going to be a, uh, a goodie bag with Easter eggs and crafts. All the families are welcome, so if you're looking for something to do on Easter Sunday that's part of a community of believers, 11.30 to 12.30, right here at Dillon Community Church. Don't forget Grandparents, this is a great opportunity for you to spend some time with your grandchildren. All right. That's the announcement. Huh? Oh, we celebrated Ash Wednesday a long time ago. 
That was at the beginning of Lent. Yep. Yeah, you missed it. It was a great service, too, I must say. All right. (laughs) Uh, All right, so we're jumping into um, Palm Sunday. And we're talking about the sayings of Jesus from the cross. And today we're addressing the, it is finished. And so uh, we're we're dealing with those two things. And uh, Jim has been talking about joining Jesus outside the camp. And we've been going through the last seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. And uh, his um, assertion is that these seven sayings encapsulate our theology. And so, just to give a quick recap, so we talked about, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And uh, we talked about how forgiveness is God's way of creating access to the throne, pathways to, to redemption. So that was the first one. And then uh, we talked about today, you will be with me in paradise, talking to the thief on the cross, and how we have hope, a real hope, And that hope creates motivation to follow. If there's a hope, if there's a goal, if there's a vision, I'm on. Can you sign me up? Woman, here is your son. And we talked about how um, love, it creates a community. And, um, you know, we will know, they'll know that we're Christians by our love and how we love one another. And that's part of, very essential to who we are. Uh, We love because God loved us first. And then we talked about, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And uh, he addressed the, the real issue of how Jesus walked on the earth as a man and experienced everything that we as human beings experience, the pains and the sorrows and the, and the despair and all of that. And so he can empathize with us. He understands where we are. And for that reason, he's really good at moving into our lives and helping us walk a straight line. Uh, Then we talked about I am thirsty and how Jesus, through the course of the whole thing, he provides us with a model. It's like he's the archetype. We follow his example. And with the uh, I am thirsty passage, he talked about how it expresses this time of uh, dryness or, you know, when the Lord seems absent and, and we have to walk and trust. And uh, it was joined into the same thing, into your hands I commit my spirit. Because oftentimes we feel like we don't have control over a lot of things. Actually, sometimes I don't even have control over myself. Um, and uh, when we run into these things that are bigger than us, we have to commit ourselves to the Lord and trust. And, uh, and that's oftentimes a really kind of difficult thing to do. Um, but we follow Jesus in his example for that. And uh, we place our trust in the Lord. And then we understand, too, that the circumstances, they reveal our character. Like, we don't have control over the circumstances, but we do have control over the way we respond to them. And, uh, you know, Jim talked about the three, the three different... Uh, responses to circumstances. One is, you know, you can get to the angry fist and you start shaking it at the Lord. The other one is you just move into denial. You're like, uh, give me a bottle, give me some drugs, give me whatever, power, sex. Um, and we just 
block it from our minds. Or the third is we submit, we trust, and we wait. So, and here we are today on Palm Sunday, and to set up the stage, I would like to read the account out of the book of Matthew that, uh, from which we understand this whole Palm Sunday celebration that we are currently celebrating. So with that, this comes out of the book of Matthew, chapter 21. This is the first 17 verses. So, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. To the, uh, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David! They were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. (laughs) Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read? From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. So we have that, uh, that whole passage and that whole, the, the, the phrase Hosanna literally means, oh, save. And it's pulled from uh, Psalm 118. And at this time during Passover, it was very customary for the, uh, the Jewish people to read what they called the Hillel, which was Psalms 113 to 118. So every Passover, every year, they would read these Psalms aloud with the whole family assembled. So all these people would be familiar with that phrase and where it came from. And so to give you just an idea of the Hillel, what I have done is I've just pulled excerpts because to read all five psalms would have taken me too long. So I just wanted to give you a flavor for the Hillel and what they would have read during Passover. So with that, just sit and enjoy. I didn't put them all up on the screen because uh, I wanted you to listen. So... Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He sets them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. Tremble, earth. 
at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool, the hard rock into springs of water. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless his people Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The Lord chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. And then this is Psalm 18 from where uh, they pulled this uh, um, Hosanna. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festival procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, I will extol you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. So they would have heard that every year at Passover. They would have read those passages. And so when the the chief priests uh, heard the children saying, uh, praise be to the son of David, Hosanna, they were indignant. And yet the people, you know, they had, we have these palm branches. How many of you received one of these when you walked in? Did anybody get one? No? A couple of you? All right. So you have it. And I, wanna, I want you to attach a question to this uh, eventually. But the people, they had these. They had their cloaks. They were spreading them on the ground as Jesus was passing over as uh, a way of paying homage, a way of paying respect. And they were looking for a Messiah. It was common in first century Israel. Uh, for a long time, the Israelites had been looking for the Messiah that was going to come and liberate them. Messiah means Savior, free us. But they were thinking of liberation from the Roman Empire. They wanted the boot of the Roman Empire taken off of their throat. And, uh, and they had every anticipation that maybe this is the guy. Hosanna. Praise the Lord. And yet, very f- short few days after that, they were crying out, crucify him. And that's a crazy turn of events. And so now we, I want to uh, jump over to the idea of it is finished. So Jesus is on the cross. It is finished. And I want to uh, tackle it from a theological perspective and then a personal perspective, right? Because from the theological perspective, it's easy to look at it and be like, oh yeah, this makes sense. Um, you know, Jesus had finished a work. Uh, if he was truly God and God had set into motion a plan, this 
was the culmination of that plan. This was him driving the golden nail into the uh, ground. And so we have this idea of the fulfillment of the blessing of Abraham, which comes out of the book of Genesis, started way back, and the, the blessing of Abraham comes out of Genesis chapter 12, and it says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And through his descendants, we, you know, through the line of David and ultimately to Jesus. It's this, through the, Jesus, that this blessing is realized. And so we move from there. Uh, in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews talks about the work that Jesus accomplished. And so I just want to read this. Um, so that we can understand what it was that he did when he was talking about it is finished. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, it is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And to... to just flesh this out a little bit more. I wanted to quote from Paul uh, out of the book of Romans. He says, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Fascinating. And I... I find it, uh, the idea of eternal life, I don't think we spend enough time thinking about it. Like, what is it going to look like? You know, for the guy who, uh, you know, who's the plumber and fixing broken pipes or the tile setter or the, or the cleaning lady or the accountant or you name it, what does it look like? Do we have a vision for what our lives can be? Jesus talked about what eternal life is. He gave us a definition for it. Like if you open Webster's Dictionary and said, eternal life, noun. He said it was this. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, 
the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Eternal life. It involves knowing the Lord and knowing Jesus as part of that trinity. It's a journey. If we go and we explore what it is to know the infinite personality that created everything that we experience, that's a long journey. We have a lot of, we have a lot of uh, mysteries to walk through and experience. I think it's going to be fascinating. I can't wait. I was telling my kids, I'm going to be gone one day, and that's okay, because I can't wait to get there. Not that I'm suicidal or anything like that, but I am just, <laughs> this is so intriguing to me, I cannot wait to go. It's going to be so cool. Um, so it is finished. On a theological level, we go, okay, the avenue to eternal salvation, the avenue to the Lord, to know him. That's what Jesus finished. He made that possible and secured it. It is finished. And now you go, okay, that was great. I used to be a contractor, and if I had left a job and said, it is finished, and they walked in and there was like dust all over the place and holes in the drywall and the tile hadn't been, they would be like, well, that's great, but you're not getting paid. Uh, You know, so... On a personal account, I wrestle. I go, Lord, it's been 2,000 years. What are you waiting for? I look around the world and I go, this is finished? Seriously? You call this done? And I don't understand. And I wrestle with that. I'm like, oh. It makes me angry sometimes because I don't get it when I watch things that happen in the world that are just brutal. I'm like, Lord, how long? How long will this go on? And there's that side of it that's painful. And you're like, oh, Lord. And, and there was a time in my life where I, the, the reactions to the circumstances in the world, and I was doing this. I was angry. And I told the Lord, I had a very frank conversation with him as I was driving to work one morning. I don't know if you're real. I have my serious doubts. But if you are real, I'm game. Do whatever you need to do. I'm wide open. Have at it. To get my attention, you have the green light. And I gave him the green light speech, is what I call it now, because I told him, I said, you have the green light to do whatever the heck you want. And um, I swear to you, it was not 24 hours before all of a sudden I started to hear this noise in my heart. And recognize these things. And I don't know if you've had that experience where you're in some place and suddenly somebody turns off a generator or something, some refrigerator, and it's making all this noise and it goes, and it's gone. And you're like, wow, I had no idea how noisy that thing was. It's a similar thing that happened in my heart where I was just, all of a sudden, I was like, oh my God, there's so much noise. And, and all these things started coming up. And I, and I fell onto two sides of this, you know, the circumstances that they break you and you break things. And on both sides, it's like sin has this, it, it hurts you and it, you're a victim of the brokenness of the world. And on the other side, you end up being a participant 
of the brokenness, and you break, and you hurt. And I had both of those in my heart. I had these old wounds where I had been hurt, and, and they hadn't been resolved. And they were festering, and they were painful. And the Lord said, we got to go to work. we got to get these done. we got to clean this up. And he gave me a picture in my head, and it was one of a little boy. I was a small boy. And I was crying, and I was draped in the, in the flesh of a full-grown man, if you can imagine that. And it was like sagging off of me, and I was crying, and, and I was in a room that was kind of dark. And through the work that the Lord did in my heart, it was like he allowed me to step outside of that flesh, that old, sad, human skeleton of flesh, and just pick it up and hang it on a hook and say goodbye. And it was clean. I was clean. All that old hurt was gone. It's like, wow, how cool is that? And there's peace there. And then on the other side, the picture that he gave to me was a solid, massive black stone. And I was a small boy again, and I was crying, and I'm trying to lift this stone because it's crushing these people that I had hurt with my words and my actions, and they're suffering under the stone, but I'm too small, and I cannot, I can't push it. And the Lord just is moving in my heart and healing these things, and that stone got smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where I was able to pick it up, and it kept shrinking and shrinking to the point where I was just able to nothing. And Paul talks about momentary light afflictions that are nothing in the weight of eternal glory. And I feel like, you know, it's been 2,000 years, but you're doing some awesome stuff in my heart. You're still here. You're still alive. You're still active. You're still working. And I'm excited because now I have this peace in my heart. And oftentimes I walk around. I don't even recognize the peace that I have now until I bump into people that are not at peace. And I'm like, oh, you need to know the Lord. He's good. He'll take that and he'll he'll clean it up. He'll make it whole. And then he's going to turn your life upside down and run you down a different road. A road where you're, you're building people, you're building hope, you're building beauty. We don't have to walk down that road anymore. He solved that problem. It's finished. And so that's kind of like a, a personal, uh, my personal story that I have that I carry with me. And so when I think about it as finished, I go, okay, I get it. I don't, I don't understand it, but then you hear theologians, they talk about living in the already but not yet. It's this idea of that it's already been finished, but we're still waiting and it's not yet. And we're in that, in that span of time, and so we wait. But in the middle of the waiting, we have this example that we get from this theology of the cross where we talk about, you know, forgiveness. The forgiveness that you have towards the people that have hurt you and just owning up to saying, I am so sorry I hurt you. I don't have the right to ask for your forgiveness, but I am just expressing my heartfelt uh, sadness that what I had said or what I had done, and he starts to, he cleans up relationships and he heals. And granted, there are some situations where you're like, I don't know that there's any solution to this until, you know, kingdom come. 
you know, and we do our best and we move on, but the Lord still gives us peace in the middle of that. Um, yeah, so we talk about forgiveness. We talk about the hope that we have. And I can tell you guys from my experience in the world up here, just I spend a lot of time playing music with a lot of the local musicians, and I've had conversations with them, and they don't have hope. Nihilism is the, the trendy thing right now. It's like, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And at the end of the road, all they see is a black abyss. They got no hope. They don't know that they, have a, that they were fashioned in the image of the Lord and that what they do matters, that their life has purpose. They don't know that. They don't know that there's hope at the end of the road, that we're going to move into eternity and there's going to be just unfolding of mystery after mystery after mystery as we celebrate together. They have no idea. And so it's like our job to pull a vision for these people and for myself too. The Lord gave me a vision for myself. I feel like when the idea of it is finished, you hear Jim talk about it a lot, of pulling the realities of the future into the present. And if the Lord can give me a vision for myself as someone who is emancipated from destructive behavior, who's emancipated from uh, broken relationships, and he can heal those. If he can give me a vision for what it looks like to be able to walk in freedom like that, he can do it for you and for you and for whoever. He can do it for our community. We can do it for... And it's like we get to participate in this idea of him reconciling all things to himself. I love it. Casting a vision. Casting a vision for people so that they can understand that they are unique. They are, they do have purpose. They have a destiny. There's somebody who loves them. And we don't have to be afraid. When the tribulations come, we don't have to be afraid. Christ said he would not abandon us. And it talks about in, um, let's see, which one was it? It's the Second Corinthians passage, Maggie. If you want to throw that one up. Paul talks about we have this treasure, the Holy Spirit. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be, may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. We have this treasure in jars of clay, and when the world crushes and cracks us, that's the moments like when we respond to the world in the way that the Lord gives us the example to follow the way of the cross. His light pours out and, it's, and it captures the imagination and the hearts of people because it's different. And I'm like, wait a minute. They're on to something. So I want to return to the palm leaf 
the people, they were, they were laying their coats and they were cutting these down off the trees and laying it on the street, paying homage to someone that they thought was going to save them. And then they later, crucify him, crucify him. And I'm curious, the question that I have in my heart is, if I had that, if I were on that street, uh, who would I lay, who would I, what person am I laying my palm branch in front of or laying it down? And how, how fickle is my faith? Is it, is it circumstantial? Like the minute things turn and all of a sudden I'm experiencing hardship that I don't understand, am I going to take my palm leaf and, and throw it and shout, crucify him? Or am I going to walk in the way that he set for us to walk? The example that he gave us. I hope, I hope that my response is to say, Lord, I don't understand, but I submit I don't understand. Give me strength. Make me strong. So where do we put our trust? Where do we put our hope? There are a lot of people that don't have any place to put their trust or hope right now. He can heal. He can mend. Because I've experienced it. He's alive and active. And we live in that already, but not yet. We still live in a world that is under the weight of sin. But we have a charge to walk with grace and with beauty and with strength. And I pray that's our charge. And at the end of the day, no matter the circumstances, to say, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, help us to understand and know you. The idea of eternal life being that of growing to know you is marvelous. Set that in our hearts, Father. Give us a vision for who we are in you and build us into the people that you had in mind at the very beginning. And then, Father, may we have a vision for the people that you plant in our lives, the people that you have put in our world, Father, because you started a work in them. I'm convinced, Lord, that every person that you put into my world aren't there by accident, that you began a good work in them and you're faithful to finish it. And it's my privilege to get to help foster that relationship between that person and you. Thank you for your love. Help us to grow in it every day. In your name, amen. So for those of you that are watching online, this is the end of our online broadcast, so be blessed. And uh, for those of you that are still here, we're going to have the time.